Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you're listening to Season 2, Episode 10, and we are talking about the one with the cabin and the lake and the ghost, I think? So we're going on a journey about how long it took me to find one movie. I set out with some vague memories from my childhood. Only bits and pieces, a few scenes, those three things. It had a cabin, a lake, and a ghost, and and maybe a dock. And it was from the late 90s to early 2000s. So I had a few pieces of the puzzle, a few criteria to go out and search the internet with. And we're going to talk about that journey here today. So without further ado, let's jump into season two, episode 10. So let's begin our journey, the endless quest for that elusive movie, a cinematic masterpiece, hopefully, etched faintly into the recesses of my mind. Yet maddeningly, I am unable to grasp the title or that one tangible piece that would lead me to the actual movie. I am armed with only a few vague details and a few memories. A lake, a ghost, maybe a small dock, and a cabin in the woods. This trifecta of enigmatic elements uh, that I'm certain existed but has become the bane of my movie-loving experience. So let's picture this. You embark on a wild goose chase, armed with nothing more than these vague recollections and an insatiable desire to revisit the shores of that forgotten film. Hours turn into days as you scour the vast expanse of the internet, traversing endless databases and navigating treacherous forms. Your keyboard clacks incessantly as you delve into the depths of IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and Letterbox, desperate for the tiniest glimmer of recognition. The quest begins with a simple search, Lake Ghost Small Dock Movie. We type naively believing the answers will fall into our lap. Instead, you're greeted with an avalanche of irrelevant results. Lake Placid? Casper? The Lake House? These are absolutely infuriating. You're knee-deep in movies about lakes and ghosts, yet nowhere close to your elusive query. Undeterred, we soldier on, the determination in our eyes rivaling that of a seasoned detective pursuing a criminal mastermind. You refine your search, adding more keywords, trying to outsmart the algorithm. Lake Ghost, 90s movie, small dock. You type, hoping to narrow down the possibilities, but alas, the digital deities remain unyielding and the movie gods mock your futile efforts. Days turn into weeks and still no breakthrough. The lines between reality and obsession blur as we scour dusty DVD and VHS collections, visit vintage video stores, yes, they still exist, and interrogate family and friends. Their eyes glaze over as you describe the movie's barely plot for the umpteenth time, but you refuse to discourage. You're on a mission, damn it. In a fit of desperation, you resort to crowdsourcing your dilemma. Internet strange become your allies as you beseech the virtual masses for assistance. Help me find this movie, you cry out, our pleas echoing through the digital realm. A few well-meaning souls offer suggestions, but none hit the mark. It's like searching for a needle in a haystack, only the needle is a tiny dock and the haystack is an infinite sea of films. As the days turn into weeks and the weeks into months, your patience wears thins. We begin to question the very fabric of our memories. Did this movie even exist, or was it all in an elaborate figment of your imagination? Perhaps the ghost, the lake, and the small dock were mere phantoms, taunting us with their tantalizing presses. 
presence <laughs> presses the, the weeks become even longer months and then all of a sudden while you're eating a hot dog on a cool summer's day a stray memory resurfaces like a ghostly apparition in the night the movie had a character named betty or was it betsy the details remain fuzzy and it's like a lifeline a clue that ignites a flicker of optimism within your weary heart Armed with this newfound clue, we plunge back into the depths of your internet searches, pour over filmographies, comb through directorial histories, and trawl through film archives. It's a painstaking process, like untangling a particularly gnarly knot. But you persevere because the end is near. You can feel it in your bones. And then it happens. In a serendipitous moment of cosmic alignment, you stumble upon it. The movie you've been hunting for for so long. The one with the lake, the ghost, and the small dunk. Dunk. The small dunk. <laughs> it's triumphant. Victory. A consequence of cinematic proportions. You sink into your couch, triumphant, as the movie finally plays before your eyes, and as the credits roll, you can't help but laugh. Laugh at the absurdity of it all, because it's the wrong goddamn movie! Yeah, that's right. After all those days and hours and months of searching, I watched a handful of lake-themed horror movies to no avail. And through this journey, I've watched a lot of schlop. So let's dive in, lake pun, to some of these movies now. And topping the list by far was Cabin by the Lake, which seemed so promising. It had a cabin and a lake in the title. But oh boy, Cabin by the Lake was a movie that was destined to sink into the depths of infamy. This 2000s horror flick might be best remembered for its cringe-inducing moments and literally nothing else. Uh, and maybe that Judd Nelson was in it, and that's more of a, oh yeah, or what the hell is he in this movie kind of moment so let's wade through the murky waters and examine the flow the flow examine the flaw that makes this uh, film notorious misstep in the horror genre so cabin by the lake falls victim itself to a myriad of problems from its lackluster script to the questionable direction the plot which centers around an obsessed screenwriter and his murderous tendencies which already feels a bit trite and predictable uh, he can't write his new murder movie script because he can't connect with the character or how the murderer feels which already feels like it's been done a hundred times over again and like every Every episode of Criminal Minds or Without a Trace or CSI, it, it, these these made-for-TV movies just feel like a bloated episode of a procedural drama, which is something that I've said multiple times. And unfortunately, this was the same case with this movie. So it, he can't figure out how they feel, right? So his decision is that he's going to start murdering people in the same fashion and then writing about it. It's... It's one way to figure it out, I guess. Uh, you definitely know how the murderer feels now. Could have done some interviews, maybe read a book. I feel like there are many more healthy ways to go about figuring out how a murderer would feel. A murderer would feel if you're doing a research project. You don't actually have to become a murderer. It sends a terrible message to the audiences, <laughs> um, but that's not. That's definitely not the point of this movie. So, uh, just especially in the internet age, like it was too early 2000s. But he definitely could have Googled something back then. So this concept felt rushed. It would have been better, or it could have been better, if he had have been a serial killer all along. Stanley, the main character. 
character played by Judd Nelson, it would have been better all along if he was a serial killer and he was writing these movies, screenplays about the process of his murders instead of what we got, which is basically opposite, that he becomes a murderer to write the screenplays. And I mean, that's just, you know, the, the uh, humble opinion of one nerd on the matter, of course. Someone in Hollywood approved this script and, uh, you know, let's continue. Now, one of the few redeeming aspects of this film is the cast and, and one of my favorites is in this movie, the presence of Michael Weatherly, known for his uh, role as Agent Tony Denozo in the TV series NCIS, which he was in for at least the first 15, if not 17 seasons. It's currently in like season 21 right now, which is absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that series, so getting to watch it for 20 years is always a gift. And Weatherly was great in this movie. He was the the protagonist of the movie, and Judd Nelson was, you know, it turns out to be his friend who lives up on the lake, and you find out that he's the murderer uh, throughout the movie. And uh, he was also actually Mike Weatherly. I come to think of it, he was in uh, an episode of Charmed in the first season, uh, like something twenty years ago. It was nineteen ninety seven or nineteen ninety eight, something like that. The first season, which is absolutely amazing. Episode two, it was the the Warlock brothers. The the, oh, the name is escaping me. Damn it, it's on the tip of my tongue. Two war bad warlocks or um you know what do I, when bad warlocks turn good yes that's it season one episode something or other i i would have been able to get that once upon a time my, my mom always got a kick out of that i would walk out of my room and she'd be watching charmed and i'd be like season three episode 10 and more often than not i was a hundred percent right but i digress michael weatherly he definitely brings a certain charisma and charm to his character he's the small town uh sheriff hand deputy person that is the you know the authority out on this this vast lake and there's these great shots of him standing out on the dock looking out you know uh while he smolders and and is brooding looking out at the lake wondering who's killing these people on his lake uh, I could just see the commercials, you know, like evil has come to his lake. And and he's like, you know, doing that investigative thing where they just stand there and look out at nothing, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, so he, he definitely brings, you know, moments of levity and the occasional depth into the otherwise shallow narrative as a lot of the reviews gave this movie. His performance stands out for sure, but mostly because everyone else was busy chewing the scenery Nelson, uh, or just like not that good at acting, supporting cast, and Weatherly stands out like a glimmer of a beacon amidst the mediocrity. However, even Michael Weatherly's talents are not enough to salvage the sinking ship that is Cabin by the Lake. The movie suffers from so many different things, wooden acting, stilted dialogue, which for those in the audience who aren't familiar with this, it's dialogue that sounds unnatural, sometimes too formal, stiff is a good word, most people don't speak in grammatically correct English, they they use slang, imperfect sentence structure, they run on, they trail off, they break the rules of writing because they're not writing, they're speaking. And that's just some of the issues with these performances. And that's not even to mention the visual execution leaves so much to be desired. The cinematography is, is very bland, exactly what you would expect of a, a water underwater movie, even a horror movie, the jump scares. And I mean, I knew exactly where the camera was going to pan to or 
when it cut to a POV because it was almost verbatim in what happens in any episode of CSI, like I mentioned earlier in the episode. It's very by-the-book procedural drama or any low-budget horror movie. If you've seen even a handful of them, then you could predict most of everything that was going to happen in this movie, which left a little to the imagination or to desire, and you got kind of bored halfway through it. And that's not to mention how low-quality it was to watch this obscure movie, but I'll mention that a bit later on. So let's continue with what this was. This movie was about. Uh, I mean, they, they, there was so many. There was like there were so many almost good shots too like they had the opportunity to do underwater like cool underwater shots and instead it came out like a low budget film project edited on microsoft video and it was just leaving you know leaving me subjected to poorly executed jump scares that were so telegraphed by you know the the music you know building up into the suspense and and, and it was it was foreshadowed to death almost and uh, it was a reliance on tired horror movie cliches which which is just unfortunate. It was a, a hodgepodge of unoriginality and mediocrity that ultimately faded it for a place in the discount bins and multiple worst movie ever lists. And so unfortunately for me, after watching Cabin by the Lake, I'm still seeking out that movie. And now much like I did with my Reddit posts and all of those Discord movie chat rooms, I implore you, the listeners of The Nerd Review, if you're listening to this episode and think you know what movie I'm talking about, please let me know. You can send me a message through through the nerdreview.ca or on Instagram, Twitter, or even TikTok. I'm on all of these platforms. Now, even more unfortunately for me is that I will not give up in the search for this goddamn movie, and I've already accepted the fact that it may just be as bad or, God forbid, worse than Cabin by the Lake, if that is even possible. Um, but I'm just going to keep chugging away and trying to figure out what this movie is, and um, it's it's super unfortunate because like there's so many terrible movies and I'm just, I'm just going to keep chugging away. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to figure out what this movie is. Cause like I said, I have three keywords and I believe I, I mentioned this one actually, it's an anecdote about, uh, my brother going through the very same thing, uh, when we were kids, but his words were, um, there's a dog in a park and a wall, which somehow turned out to be Sandlot and actually a pretty accurate summary of that movie. And Sandlot is a great movie. Um, and that is, say just maybe maybe the movie i'm remembering can also be as great as sandlot like i i really hope because this is a lot of effort uh, so like let's uh, let's move on to the second movie and if i said that you know it, this has been a quest of many movies and i would really love to skip to the good movie that i actually enjoyed on this quest but for continuity purposes uh let's talk about another really bad movie and hold on to your hats folks because we're diving back into the murky waters of yeah cabin by the lake because somehow against all odds there's a goddamn sequel to this movie and i mean to my absolute shock it's actually marginally better than the first one and yeah i'm, I'm just as flabbergasted as you are because i was lamenting about that first movie uh so let's jump into the second movie and because it's a made for tv movie and they couldn't be creative at all the title is return to cabin by the lake yeah that's the title they didn't strain any muscles coming up with that banger of a title 
Now, somehow, this ma- movie manages to, li- to deliver a mildly improved cinematic experience, uh, largely due to the inclusion of another beloved actor from my childhood, Brian Krause. Uh, he was played Leo from Charmed. He was actually amazing. Definitely the glimmer of beacon, the glimmering beacon, the glimmering of beacon. Uh, it's almost bacon. The glimmering of beacon. See, I did it again. The glimmering beacon that was Michael Weatherly in the first movie, the first like Cabin by the Lake except now uh, Brian Krause he plays this over the top eccentric director who's always yelling and saying these super pretentious things about filmmaking and I felt like he was just having a blast on screen uh, he was he was basically akin to Jeremy Irons in the, the Dungeons and Dragon movies that like he could see the writing on the wall and he knew that this was a terrible you know sequel of a terrible made for TV horror movie and he was just having a blast he was going over the top he was just you know delivering the absolute top of what he was supposed to be doing he read you know eccentric filmmaker and he put on the the little wireless headset and the little cabbie hat the little chapeau that pretentious people always wear like you could picture it. you know exactly what kind of hat i'm talking about right now and it doesn't like match the color of his suit and he's he's yelling at people all the time and stomping his feet and getting angry at craft services and stuff like that and it was just it was honestly amazing his performance in the entire uh, in the entire movie was definitely what stood out. And when I saw that he was in the sequel, I was like, "All right, well, I guess I watched the first one." And like at this point, I already knew that these weren't the movies I was looking for. But uh, I'm a stickler for uh, people that like uh, you know like continuity and, and franchises, so I decided to go and and sit down and subject myself to this equally terrible movie. And definitely Return to Cabin by the Lake is one of those movies that's being carried by one of their lead actors. And Brian Krause was that for this movie. There was a few other good people in the supporting cast, but I mean, much of the other cast felt like they were reading off a teleprompter just out of eyeline. And there was one other familiar face, one of the young, uh, at the time, this movie's 20 years old, supporting actor, uh, J.P. Bourne. He was uh, most recently, well, I think most recently, he was on The 100. Uh, he was on Teen Wolf, Arrow. Uh, and he was just really funny in this. He had a small part and he gets all killed off pretty quickly, actually. But he was a pleasure in this film. He just he was drunk and, and laughing and he didn't really take the, the murderer seriously, which I mean, I wouldn't have taken Judd Nelson seriously in this. He, he returned as uh, the serial killer as uh, he's thought to be dead after the end of the second one. And he's like he's grown his hair out and it looks terrible. And and he has the positively worst I hope it's a wig because it just looks terrible, but it's absolutely the worst hair ever. Uh, and then it, to go with his abysmal hair, he has the stupidest soul patch ever. It's grown out a bit. It's long. It extends past his chin and he looks like an idiot. And anyone who didn't recognize him in the sequel actually deserves to be drowned because it was one of those like, this isn't a disguise moment. This is just us with like long hair and, and a shitty soul patch. Like if you're going to try to disguise yourself, grow a full beard, not a st- stupid soul patch that's what that's what i have to say to that wardrobe choice <laughs> and let's let's wrap that over to the script now um it's still far from a masterpiece it attempts to inject some depth into the characters mainly stanley with a bit more backstory and some of his motivations now uh you know he went from just being a shitty playwright and screenwriter to now somewhat successful serial killer with some fame because you know the story broke that he was writing a movie and killing 
killing people, which, you know, made his script really hot and everything. And that's where they introduced the new director, Brian Krause's character, because he's going to actually make the movie that Stanley had written in the first one, that that's what he was writing, The Murders by the Lake or something. And so there's all this controversy around the making of this movie. And I mean, at this point, they basically just they just ripped off Scream 2 because Scream 2 has the whole stab movie in it. And they introduced that whole meta concept of a movie within a movie. So this TV movie is just ripping off of other popular horror movies. So there's that. Now, in the grand scheme of things, the fact that Cabin by sorry, Return to Cabin by the Lake managed to surpass the dreadful depths of its predecessor uh, definitely is, a, is just a testament to the power of talented actors. Um, and I mean, even in even more unlikely circumstances, it's like witnessing a cinematic miracle almost because it was still a pretty bad movie. Now, um, okay, so we've discussed the Cabin by the Lake franchise, I guess, if you, I mean, I still can't believe they made two of these movies. Um, but now that we've gotten past those two, we can we can talk about the movie I actually did enjoy on this quest. Um, still not the movie that I was looking for, um, but I mean, it's it's a it's a good ghost film nonetheless. It was it was Ghost Ship from 2002. That's going to be the third movie we talk about here on this episode. And compared to either Cabin by the Lake or Return to Cabin by the Lake, that would be. I mean, like when you compare these movies, I'm pretty sure that like it's a it's a cinematic masterpiece by comparison. But like the bar is set pretty low if you're comparison if you're comparing Ghost Ship, which did really well internationally. Unfortunately, there's not much like box office or trivia for these super obscure TV movies like Cabin by the Lake and Return to Cabin by the Lake. There was like three pieces of trivia, and it was like it didn't take that long to film, and Judd Nelson was having fun on set. Like those were the two pieces of trivia i was like oh okay cool and there's no box office because it wasn't released and i guess the the tv channels don't include all of their statistics so there's not much to compare there um but i mean if you're comparing like the script and all of that yeah ghost ship blew the uh blue cabin of the lake and ca- returned to cabin by the lake out of the goddamn water uh that <laughs> that's for sure so let's jump into the third movie of today's episode in my quest for the ever elusive movie the one with the ghost and the cabin and the lake and maybe a little dock or something i'm i'm still not 100 percent sure but we're we're gonna keep going so the next movie is ghost ship like i said has uh, it has a lot going for it actually though right off the bat again it's not the movie i was looking for however i was actually looking forward to this viewing experience the setting is perfect for a horror movie alone out on the ocean you have a small savage crew looking for a big break and they stumble stumble across an abandoned cruise ship the Antonia Graza scrawled into the side of the hull all rusted and old and this you know it's a super fancy cruise ship in the 60s uh, and its heyday was filled with glamorous passengers dancing and enjoying themselves the movie opens in the 60s and we get this awesome glimpse of the 60s swag with all the glitz and the glam and then what is easily one of the best opening sequences of a movie when a mysterious hand pulls pulls a lever and all these gears begin to reel in a steel cable that is being used to hold up all the lights and speakers and as it reels in all of a sudden it goes taut and it 
pulls off the walls and it rips across the dance floor and just fucking slices through the crowd. And for a moment, it's silent. And the camera pans around the crowd, horror-struck faces, shock setting in as they slowly start to slide apart and fucking fall in half. And they're like grasping at their legs. And, and it's, oh, it was, it was amazing. And 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 then there's this, this, this one sole survivor, this one young girl. She was, she was shorter than everyone else. And it went like above her head when she ducked and, and she screams out through the night and the, and her scream echoes across the vast empty ocean. And in an instant, the glitz and glam turned into a gruesome massacre and voila, ghost ship. (laughs) Honestly, to this day, it's one of the best, uh, openings I've ever seen in a movie, the way it was presented. It's just, you have this singer on stage and they're, they're sipping champagne and everyone's dancing. And, and then you just see the cable and, and, and you see it like they do that, like from blur, like you see, it's like, you can see all the people and then it focuses in and you just see this like razor sharp wire in like along the banister. And you can see that like where, what height it's at. And it was just it gave you chills when you noticed like what like it took you a second and then you realize like when it starts ripping off the the wall and the lights start popping and you're like oh my god what is gonna and then it just happens and it was it was so well paced too like it was a testament to what a real you know like a horror movie with a real budget can do and 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 all that so uh, now we jump forward as time goes forward and this time around uh, it's been like 45 years and the Antonio Graza is still floating across the oceans and one would assume claiming other salvage crews and pirates that attempted to board this damned ship. Uh, now, this time around, we're going with uh, our own salvage crew. That's who we're, we're going to join up with as they believe they've made this big break and they're going to tow the cruise ship to shore and be rich. Now, alas, the ghosts of the Antonia Graza have other ideas as the ship comes alive around them, uh, visiting hallucinations and terrifying ghost attacks. Now, as it turns out uh, the massacre was a plot actually to steal this shipment of gold that was on board and they they wanted to do away with the the majority of the members on the board on the on board the ship and the this turned out to be an effective uh, murder maneuver i guess is that what you want to call it like a mass murder device they were able to just pull one lever and it was like pull lever to kill entire you know like uh um, there's a word i'm looking for crew i guess but they're not a crew passengers to kill all passengers there we go that's the word i'm looking for pull this lever to kill all passengers on board in a handy little plot device and i mean but i mean that is jokes aside like i said it was definitely one of the best like jaw dropping like oh wow okay we're we're definitely starting at the t- the, the the very tip top of the roller coaster and it's gonna be a crazy ride from here in and, and it was so like i said it turns out that there is like this shipment of gold and there's a you know group of uh like pirates i guess or you know thieves or whatever they've infiltrated the crew and they've put this plot afoot and i mean everybody just starts to betray each other (laughs) they uh they 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 kill each other and no one no one makes it out alive and they damn this ship for you know all eternity now i won't give away too much else there's some really interesting parts of the plot and there's some awesome twists and reveals that go out along the way and i I don't want to i don't want to spoil it i don't like i don't i mean i don't want to spoil this 21 year old movie i know uh but if you haven't seen it you haven't seen it so um i mean it's crazy that it's been like 20 years since this movie came out i remember seeing the poster for this movie like everywhere it's the one with it's all like like a black
black backdrop and you just see the ocean and this big like ocean cruise ship with like a ghost face into the hull of the ship and it's it's facing you so it's like half ship half skull it's a very iconic poster and it was it was around to it was around all the time in the 2000s and every like blockbuster window you saw it it was very very iconic and i mean not just that it's not just that it's 20 years old but i mean it's it, it also stands out that it's some there's some really stellar cgi being used and 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 also practical effects it's a great blend of practical effects the bodies in that first scene being cut in half the blood all of that was super well done and i mean even some of the deaths later on in the movie then and then all of that is just a further testament to the fact that they got they have that like that key ratio to for horror movies the blend of practical and, and and cgi and they did a really good job on that here uh and another thing that uh ghost ship did well that they tried to do in the two cabin by the lake movies is get a really good cast together and not only did they get a really good main cast they got a like a stellar supporting cast and funnily enough i wasn't even that familiar with the lead actors and actresses um the the lead is uh juliana margulies i think is how you pronounce her last name she's uh, from the good wife she's the main character of the good wife so i guess she would be the good wife if that's if that's how that show works i've never watched it so i'm not familiar with it um but i mean funnily enough it's the younger supporting actors from 20 years ago they were the younger supporting actors that i'm more familiar familiar with because they would all go on to become huge hollywood stars and have starred in a bunch of uh, other series um first and foremost the one i recognized first in the movie isaiah washington he's uh you know from Grey's anatomy he was on the 100 great series great actor he was actually like i said he was in the same series uh, same same series the 100 as another actor from uh the return to cabin by the lake jp Bourne. they were on the same series different times different seasons i don't think their paths crossed but still interesting you know down the road you end up working on similar projects it's really interesting i, I always like things like that uh, another great supporting actor in ghost ship was carl urban who i mean obviously uh people love him and you probably know him from star trek or most recently the boys he's the one that's always calling everybody a pussy and he's the one that has uh the the australian accent in that he's all over all the ads and all over amazon prime uh also along for the ride was uh desmond harrington um a little bit less known but he was uh, jack bass in gossip girl uh, he played a real douche in that show which is pretty funny uh but he was great cast in this for sure and um when i mean when even your supporting cast would go on to become some of hollywood's biggest stars in the next, next 20 years you know you've got like a really solid cast put together so when you add up all the good things about Ghost Ship, solid cast, solid practical effects, really good VFX, and a really good budget for a horror movie, it's no wonder that it did really well at the box office. It had a budget of, I believe, 20 to 40 million, and it made like 65 million international box office. Unfortunately, we never got a Ghost Ship 2, but there are lots of other ghost-themed movies that have ships and pirates and all those things. Uh, so there's, we're definitely not without uh, movies that we could follow up with Ghost Ship, but that's going to be the third and final movie for today's episode. So we've talked about the three movies uh, in this episode, Cabin by the Lake, Return to Cabin by the Lake, and finally, this last one that I just talked about, Ghost Ship. Now, the first two movies had cabins and lakes, but no ghosts. And the third movie had the ocean and ghosts, but no dock or cabin. So, um, you know, I'm still looking for it. I have a few more movies lined up, though I'm really hopeful about the next one on my list what lies beneath it's from the right time frame late 90s early 2000s i think it came out in the year 2000 actually uh it has a cabin a dock 
it has ghosts and it looks like there's some forests and trees around that cabin so uh I, you know i got my fingers crossed it actually stars harrison ford and michelle pfeiffer with a ton of good reviews which makes me happy that i'm not gonna have to sit through another super obscure movie that i'll have to watch on youtube in 360 resolution because that's what i had to do for the first uh cabin by the lake movie so uh maybe i will strike gold and i'll be lucky like my brother and the movie that i was searching for will be you know just as good as like a, a sandlot movie was for my brother in that in that regard you know maybe my quest will end with a piece of cinematic masterpiece you know a gold a gold find my my treasure will have been so much more you know worth it if it's not a terrible movie like Cabin by the Lake but even even if it is a terrible movie like Cabin by the Lake then you know I still found it and I'll be happy one way or the other uh but let, let's let's be honest I'm I'm leaning more towards it being hoping that it'll be a good movie and that uh, I can I can triumphantly say that it was it was worth all of that time and effort uh so on that note I'm going to end today's episode so take heart fellow seekers of the silver screen your obscure cinematic treasure may be elusive but uh, they're not beyond reach keep searching keep exploring and let the quest be its own reward i guess that's really the the end of the day we get to just see more and more movies and uh, who knows maybe one day we'll all find that movie and you know you'll get to find your movie with the lake and the ghost and the small dog small dog now it's a dog now it's not even a dock so the, the movie with the small dock and it will cease to haunt all of our dreams whatever that movie may be for you uh if it's the movie with the wall and the dog in the park or it's the movie with the cat and the hat i don't know that's just what popped up if, it, if your movie is the cat and the hat then i think it's pretty easy to find because it's the freaking cat and the hat but whatever it actually may be uh, i hope you all the best in your search and keep looking on all of those different websites there are so many websites that you can look at i scroll movie poster websites because sometimes the movie poster is it's going to hit that like that perfect core memory that's going to unlock and you're going to be like ah yeah i knew what it was and it's going to have that image or you know uh, even box covers sometimes you know when i look at the movie and i look at oh maybe it's this movie and i try to look up the dvd cover because they have images and sometimes the it's a different poster or the the back cover has still frames uh google's good for it too the trailers are helpful obviously but sometimes it's just not the right trailer it doesn't have the right scenes and uh, you just need that little bit extra and there are so many different resources between imdb letterbox rotten tomatoes title poster websites google images i mean i could i could go on for 20 minutes just listing different websites that you could use uh for this purpose but there's just there's so much resources so have fun have a good time enjoy that journey and hopefully you'll get to sit down and maybe you'll watch some terrible movies maybe you'll watch some good movies but at the end of the day you're you're you're, in, you're watching different forms of entertainment so it's a fun time enjoy some popcorn turn off your brain and uh, have a good time and speaking of good times i hope you've had a good time listening to this episode i hope you've had a good time listening to past episodes and i sincerely hope you come back and enjoy the next episode of the nerd review so without further ado the day has been season 10 episodes I, I did this last time season 10 it's, it's season 2 episode 10 i did the exact same thing last time when i said that we were going to be doing episode 10 this week i said we're going to be doing season 10 instead of 
season two, episode 10. See, I get all tangled and, and word confused at the end of these episodes. I've been talking for too long now. So I'm just rambling now and I'm going to end the episode. So this has been The Nerd. This has been season two, episode 10 of The Nerd Review. The Nerd Review of the one with the cabin and the lake and the ghost because we're still not sure what movie it is. So maybe it's uh, What Lies Beneath and maybe that's what we'll cover in the next episode. I have a lot of things in the fire still not sure what it was if it's coals in the fire i think irons irons in the fire this is what i was trying to remember at the end of what the last episode it's irons in the fire i have a lot of irons in the fire i'm reading a lot of books i'm watching a lot of things i'm actually watching uh fast and the furious six seven eight nine and the hobbs and shaw spinoff so that i can go see uh fast x uh next tuesday you know cheap night you gotta save money it's expensive out there and i was on letterbox and i saw a movie poster for fast x part two so i don't know if that's real but uh, maybe we're gonna get more fast and furious so that's always a good franchise maybe that will be one of the irons in the fire you'll have to stay tuned to find out but now i'm really gonna end this episode so that is this is the nerd this has been the nerd review and this is the nerd signing off have a great one